Welcome to the Black Belter Podcast. You're listening to episode 70. This week's guest is Team Rhino owner and head coach Andy Ryan. Andy is a black belt in judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He is also widely recognized as a pioneer of MMA and BJJ in Ireland. As a competitor, Andy was a highly successful judo player and fell just short of qualifying for the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. As a competitor in jiu-jitsu, Andy has been a European champion, a Pan-American champion and a world bronze medalist. As a coach, Andy has trained some of Ireland's top MMA fighters like Paul Redmond, Neil Seary and Miles Price. He is also a coach of Ireland's amateur squad that competes at IMAF events and you can hear Andy's passion for these events in our chat today. So today I'll chat to Andy about his own journey in martial arts, where he sees amateur MMA going, the improvement of coaching in MMA, the buzz of coaching at big UFC events and more. So make sure to rate, review and follow and hope you enjoy. So what's up Andy? Thanks man for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I just I nearly forgot you there. I was trying this morning and I haven't even had a shower yet. Look, my hair's all fuzzy and everything. But uh we'll be all right. Uh, raw and unedited. Yeah. <laughs> the best so, way. That's it. And um have the guy uh, so with guys like the pros training and that have they have there's there's the fights coming up soon, do you think? For the guys the, the pros in the gym? Give me one second with the losing you there from I don't know what happened there. Modern technology there, yeah. I don't know what it's only swipes up or hits up on the phone and I lost you. Yeah, pros in the gym, sorry, yeah, pros will be training, but um it's only a handful of them really, isn't it, you know? Yeah, yeah. How have you found that then, like to, with the try with training with the, with just with it being just such a small group? Yeah, I found it hard because um, you, you you can only allow elite athletes to have a fight coming up, you know, or there's something planned, and there's not that many really, you know. And then um, what people then have, even if they are pros or they're a certain level, they might have family members that could be sick or vulnerable, and they might be nervous themselves about coming training. So I found that a lot of the fighters want to train, but it's the family and jobs they work in sort of don't allow it you know yeah I can yeah. understand that as well yeah there's like a a wider community around people I suppose that, yeah, that, yes. that to take into consideration yeah, as well yeah yeah, yeah. when do you think Ireland do you, do you think shows will happen soon in Ireland because obviously I know there's been a few different ones planned but then they've kind of got cancelled at the at the last minute well I see Clamwars just put a date up there I think the end of May for the two shows 29th and 30th I think and um, Kay's Legacy will probably do the same I'd say you know but I think Cage Legacy will find it hard till things reopen. You know what I mean? Um, maybe once football matches start back and other stuff, they might allow the show to go on. Yeah, yeah, it's so hard, especially like when you're mixing in, like I suppose, amateur fights as well with with yeah. with, with pro fights. Yeah. Um, yeah. Become very reliant then to try to cover costs. Yeah, I, I got to think as well. It, it, yeah, we're looking at the amateurs, early amateurs, aren't they? They're trying to make world championships and other stuff like this. You know what I mean? I suppose like the Taekwondo guys and other you know martial arts. You know so. Um, I, I think they should be allowed to train and allowed to compete once everything is done by the book you know what I mean um, the PCR test and you know everything sterilised and stuff I don't, I don't think there should be a problem yeah yeah so I suppose look just to actually I suppose take it back about yourself how, how did you get started yeah. in martial how did you get started in, uh, in martial arts where did the journey begin for you so uh, a long time ago in the 70s in um, Dago Pan Judo Club 
is a club in Colester. I actually thought I was joining a craddy club, but it was a judo club. And I think it was about, I was about six or seven, about 79, I think, 78, 79, 80, and around that time I joined. And um, that was really the start of it. Now, I've done, I've boxed in Trinity Boys for a couple of years, and I've done a little bit of Kempo, and I've done a bit of wrestling and stuff. But judo was my me, me main sort of sport, or my main martial art, grappling martial art, you know, I stuck with. Still do a bit today. Yeah. It's my, I think I think everybody when they're a kid, they don't they, they associate martial arts as karate. Isn't it? It's kind of like... Yeah, so for me, I think at the time, um, Monkey Magic was big on TV. Bruce Lee films were out, you know. Um, it was all that type of stuff on the television. So everything was karate, you know. You didn't understand that else. So a white shit with a belt on you, you were doing karate, you know. But it was actually judo I was doing. So, yeah. yeah. I made a good call because it's, it's a great sport. It's a great martial art. It's a tough martial art. Um, so it, it was it was a good call for me, you know. Yeah. And was it love at first sight? No, um, I, I was never good at football or never good at basketball or shit like that, you know, or tennis. And, and I seem to be not bad at the grappling sports. But um, from six to about 12, I got my ass kicked. I think I only won one, one medal in the six years as a kid. And then when I got became, became 12, 13, I sort of matured well. And, and the kids that were, I suppose, um, winning as young kids, they drifted off a little bit, you know. They couldn't handle that. Kids maturing a little bit more. So I stuck with it get me ass kicked I was one I wasn't one of those fancy kids that was winning medals every week you know and the parents with him they were superstars I was the kid that was probably getting beaten first round or you know getting beaten all the time it took a good few years before I started winning a few medals but I still turned up training every day you know that's that's I think that's what makes the difference yeah yeah I think there's I think there's something when you sometimes get towards the teenage years that uh a bit more aggression or something like that can, can come out in you. Yeah, I, I think we mature different. So um, I remember, like, say, being like a 10-year-old. Um, I was, I don't know what weight it was. I was 28 kilos or 30 kilos or whatever it was. And kids that weigh, some of them, they might have been a year or two older than me, you know, and they might be a bit more mature, you know, physically and mentally. But when, when you start to catch up on them, you know, they couldn't handle that then. That's what I found. Um when they got into the teenage years when you're getting a bit stronger and, and you've had a tough for the last few years, you know, you're able to hold your own now. I think sometimes the some of the naturally gifted kids disappear then. Yeah, yeah. Because I like even when I was a kid, like um like at times like the sparring side of, of Taekwondo, I was always good in training. I was alright in training, but then when you get the competition, it's like I just could I couldn't like or it just wasn't great. But then like like when I started to get to about twelve or thirteen around those yeah. ages like it started it started to come together then I started to put be able to yeah. put it together on the competition so yeah I think like yeah maybe there's something to that as well like yeah just yeah I, I was the same um, but I think what people forget sometimes is when you're training you're training it's not competition so sometimes the kids in the, in the gym on the mat that are giving they're giving you their 110% that's their their highest level but you're training when you get into the competition mat you have another gear or two you step up even as a kid I think you know so I think that was their best and they hadn't got that next level to go to, you know? Yeah, yeah. And what was martial arts like in terms of... Was it big? Like, was it, was it even the club? Yeah, was it was, it, was big. It a big club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The club I was in, the Anglo Crown Judo Club, was probably one of the main judo clubs in Ireland. There was that, the Amakoi in the north. They were the two big gyms. So we had uh, a lot of... It was, it was it's, At the time, it's, it was a, a, a full-time mat area, you know, in the 70s and 80s, which was unheard of. Um, it sort of died a death in the 90s but 
the premises is still there, but the, the club sort of moved on to a to a local sports centre. But um, as a yeah, it was it was a busy, busy club, and Juno at the time would have been busy. It would have been competitive, and it would have been some good, some good bodies. You know, it was probably the best time the seventies and eighties for Juno. You know, it sort of died a death a bit after that, or the levels never sort of changed with the times. You know, but it was, it was busy enough. Yeah, what do you think that was? Do you think maybe just the guys didn't open more clubs or? Um, a couple of things. Um, I think sometimes people running the clubs, the, the the education is not, you know, guys coaching are doing it for the love of it and they've probably have kids in the gym, but they're not proper, proper coaches or, you know, associations are small as well. I think um, Judo in the UK in the 70s and 80s was huge. 90s was huge. It's still big there now, but not as big as it was. You know, like the Olympic medalists and world champions in the 80s, I was watching them on TV. We never really had that, you know. We never had that sort of, level where you have the dojo and there's a there's a whole lineage and a whole you know culture grown through we have it with boxing you yeah. see it with boxing the crumbling and the dribbling boxing clubs and stuff they have a great history to them that they're and the communities coming through over years i think the sports center sort of killed that a little bit when martial arts went to a sports center you know they have a spot for an hour or two a week you know it's not really a club you know that's why i think jiu-jitsu and mma and, and modern martial arts now have their own premises and, and you know they're growing, they grow much further and much bigger. Yeah, I suppose it's that kind of success breed success. It's very, isn't it? Like when yeah. you're seeing people winning, then like you have something to aim for and 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 try yeah. to achieve the same or go further. But if you're looking around at yeah. the guys in the club and they haven't achieved too much, and you just have nobody to see, no yeah. success stories, it can be hard to yeah, I to agree. Keep at it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose you've even seen that even now with MMA, like for a long time in even Irish MMA, there wasn't anybody to look towards, but. Like over time, like people are getting to the UFC, people getting to Bellator. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think as I think as well, um, Irish people, we always looked at at us not being as good because this MMA it's very good in America. They're all oh, these Brazilians, you know, and it's not till you go and mix and train with them and, and get on the mat and then you say, well, hang on a minute, we fucking we're as good as these fuckers, you know what I mean? So it's that way is a little bit different. Um, at the start, I remember years ago, you'd be watching videos and, and you'd, be, you'd be training and you'd be you'd see some sort of big fancy name and. All of a sudden, some of my visit Ireland, they're, they're from America and they're doing MMA. And, and hang on a minute, I can hold me on with this guy, or hang on a minute, I tap this guy out, or the lads were better strikers. And we say, you know, we, sometimes we put ourselves down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's like that with every sport, isn't it? That Just yeah. the Irish people in general when it comes to sport. And I was like, ah. But boxing don't do yeah. it. And I don't think, I think um, MMA, since the, you know, sort of the, the growth of the Conor McGregor era and the Neil Seary and all the guys that come up through. Uh, SBG and that, that that changed a little bit, you know. Now we'll stand here, we're, we're as good as anybody in the world, you know. We might be a little country, but we know how to fight. Now, I think yeah. boxing have showed us that, you know. Yeah, for I sure. I don't know what it's like in the Taekwondo world, I don't know what it's like, you know, how how you yeah. guys see yourselves, and or you know, yeah, yeah, like for like that for a long time, we were not winning many medals at tournaments, and yeah. in about the last 10 years, that was good. There has been it, there's been that shift where, like, yeah. I suppose, like, look, younger people came through with a bit more ambition and uh, yeah. and drive. And, like, we finished, in 2017, we were top of the medals table at the World Championships. Um, Very good. We were second in 2013. So, like, we're just younger people with more like that, more ambition have came through. So, now, like, we'd consider ourselves to be one of the top countries. But like that for, yeah. many, but like that for many years would have just been, we're kind of here to take part and to look, if we can nick a bronze medal here, won't that be great? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, flips it, changes around, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, well, I think it's like I think I think I do think like martial arts and, and combat sports are, are leading that. I think it'll, I think it'll potentially 
spread out into other sports like like rugby like in fairness the rugby players they have they have big big goals of doing well and I think maybe it might eventually yeah. spread out to the soccer to like the, the football teams and that and, and other sports I think the martial arts and combat sports are leading that kind of attitude that Irish people can, yeah. can achieve and I think it will eventually kind of spread out across all kind of sporting fields yeah and I think the, the education of, of, the, of coaches and clubs as well you know and um like I, I've learned loads of mistakes as an athlete, and then I try and you know don't make them mistakes as a coach. Then you know what I mean. So I've made the mistakes, and I've I haven't hit goals I wanted to hit as an athlete. But say okay, hang on a minute, I made that mistake. What did I do wrong? Okay, I'm not going to do that with, with me fighters, you know. So I think we're learning all the time, and as you say, so so the guys coming through have a better chance, you know. Yeah, yeah, better coaches makes a big deal as well. Yeah, yeah. So then, like, how does the in, in judo? How does the the grading system work? Yeah, so the judo I I, I haven't um, graded. My last judo grading was in two thousand. Yeah, I got my fifth degree in two thousand. So I've been on me paper, on me bits and pieces then. So it's a long time since I graded. But I, uh, I, as a senior, it would be the usual: white, yellow, orange, green, blue, uh, um, brown, and black. But yeah, for your black belt, you do all your cartas and your bits and pieces. But you, you fight off as well. You do you you. You have a year to get a hundred points, or if you get five fights and five bit bonds in the day, you get a thing called bats of candy, get your black belt, which is which is a big deal. Um, I haven't been on a grade in a long time, but um, if you if someone joins you now, I think you, you, you'll get your black belt within three four years. You know, as a senior, for me it's too quick, it's too soon. Um, that's why I like to jujitsu. You're sort of average of ten. Doesn't matter how good you are, really. It's sort of a ten year journey. Unless you're some sort of young competitive athlete and you've time to travel the world and stuff, you'll get it in five, six years, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that is the problem with a lot of the traditional martial arts, isn't it? People just jump through the grades, they get get you can get diluted down a, a small bit. Yeah, so listen, I, I see guys and fucking they've tent dance on them and they're in their thirties and I say, Your thirties like tent? How'd you get well he awarded me this and I awarded him that well you know, you look at most sort of structured martial arts, they'll have time, you know. Okay, you get your black belt when you're 18 years of age, and then every three years, you can probably get your first, you know, second tour degree, and then it's every five years up to a certain belt, you know. But guys are giving themselves belts booking week in, week out, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. I suppose it's not that hard to get a new one. You can just buy one at the shop, you know, but it's kind of, yeah. what's, what's the meaning that goes with it then, you know? Cause... Yeah, or, or people or people start up their own st- styles, don't they? Like they'll, they'll leave Taekwondo or they leave them and they'll make up their own, you know, style and they'll award themselves. 100 different type of belts you know which is yeah. crazy as well yeah so then when did the when did the change to jiu-jitsu kind of come about yeah so I, I've always um, I, my judo coach is a guy called Norman Caprani I, I trained with a few guys but he was sort of a guy that I trained would have had me training as a modern athlete where we would have gone to the Hercules gym and wrestled and we would have done a weight training there and then later on was the flex gym in town so we would have had a strength and conditioning program we did a bit of gymnastics, we wrestled, we ran, we swam, we cycled, we do all them things. So um, I would have done a lot of that as a judo player um, when I was younger. And then coming to the end of my career, I had a good few injuries. In 2000, I wasn't going to make the Olympic Games. So I retired from the judo. But the year or two before that, I'd been messing about in the late 90s with John Cavanagh and Guy Peter Lavery from the North and a few guys doing what we thought was MMA and Jiu-Jitsu and stuff, but it was, we started making it up as we were going by, you know? So it was really after 2000, I got into the, the full swing of the Jiu-Jitsu and MMA with John Cavanagh. He used to come out to me and I used to go out to him. I used to have a club in Cholesterol on a Saturday and uh, 
it was crazy when you think about it. So I'd say, okay, we'll have the classes only at two o'clock and we'd go out for us and we'd do a five or six K run down through the park and then we might play a football match and then we'd come inside then and we'd be, someone's had to get in a video on wrestling and MMA or a UFC fight or toy boxing or something mad and we'd do that for, I remember putting like, lads had boxing gloves on and lads were trying to wrestle on the ground and we were trying to make it up as we were going boy, you know. And then it could be seven, eight o'clock, we could be leaving the gym, we'd be six hours in there because we'd be messing about five, six hours, you wouldn't know what we'd be doing. And that was the start of the start of of that sort of era. Now, John had a, a couple of places before they, we used to go out to St. Andrew's School and then we needed a place in the North Circular Road to sort of straighten it up a little bit. We'd more of a routine then. And um, I started doing a couple of more sessions in Calessa. So that was the start of me transferring from the judo. And as well as that, I, I'd been um, like to, you know, an elite athlete for, say, six, seven years where you're training at a high level, cutting weight all the time. And then when I stopped, this was something new and different, you know. I never really took it too serious at the start. Okay, so that was yeah. sort of the introduction. So it's 20 years ago. I actually found a video um a VHS video, and it's me, John Cavanagh, John Donnelly, a fella called Bill McCann, Dave Roach, and we're all at a, a grappling competition. It was one of these Kempo World Bodies that had a grappling section in it. it was, I think it was in 1999 in the basketball arena, and we're all fighting. It's very good. And then I have uh, it was the same video. There's another, there's a seminar with Hodger Gracie, who became the best jiu-jitsu player ever teaching and living in Ireland and, and we're training with him in a, in a squash court and we're recording the training session like from 20 years ago you know of the video there couldn't believe it I was watching it you know it's crazy yeah. so that was a start it was more of a hit and miss and I wasn't taking it too serious because I was sort of retired as a as a competitive athlete at the time yeah I suppose look there you go that like when you see that like where you started and where you came from and, and the coaching you were getting like or no coaching yeah. to where yeah. your guys are and, and if some of them are then going on to be coaches maybe you know like yeah. it, it progresses like yeah, yeah when you see like it, you, you were on you were on um, you were on the ground floor like when it comes to Irish MMA like and even yeah and then and, when, and, I, and when I watched the video yeah when I watched the video oh, we were the first sort of jiu-jitsu club we sat with John we were the first group of guys training Um. When when I was watching the video, I was saying I thought like Jesus, we weren't that bad. I was watching, you know, I said I thought we were worse than we were, but you know, we're pulling guard and we're pulling off arm bars and triangles and stuff, and you know, so it, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Now my judo career, I did a lot of groundwork. That's how John actually hooked up with me. I was known for doing arm locks and chokes on the ground, and you know, I do a lot of my fights would end up on the ground. So I think I had that base anyway. So I naturally flowed into it, you know. But uh, yeah, it was enjoyable then. There was no bullshit in politics and it was a little bit more friendly and we sort of learned off each other, you know? So it was good. Yeah. yeah. I like that. And you, you jumped straight into competing in there as well with jiu-jitsu, was it? There was like, there was no kind of break away yeah, from so maybe competing or... Yeah, like, I, I, ne I never competed at the same level ever as I did in the judo. I, I'd gone from that, you know, sort of, I was a carded athlete and I was on a world level. I was in the army at the time, so I was getting plenty of time to train. You know, my life was training and I think I got a little bit burnt out. So this was something new. I've been cutting weight all the time. I was dropping 20 kilos of fights and crazy stuff, you know. So I think this was new. So I enjoyed this more as a, you know, I went up and I jumped in these like Mickey Mouse MMA events up the north where they were great actually. So I shouldn't call them Mickey Mouse events, but they were sort of the grass roots of them. They were, if you looked at it now, you'd laugh. You know, we went up and you just stood beside someone looked the same height or weight as you. You then had a scrap and you could have two or three scraps and the rules changed all the time. 
but they were great. And we had a there was a competition in Killarney in two thousand. It was the World Organization of Martial Arts Athletes, something like this was anyway. But they had a grappling section and a, a mixed martial arts section, and we all jumped in it. But we didn't know the rules, so we got there. But uh, we all won medals. It was a great bit of laugh and crack. But it was never too serious. I jumped into a couple of serious MMA fights. I got my ass kicked. Um, I didn't really train for them. I fought at the wrong weights. I never sparred heavyweight guys. You know, I was probably the biggest guy in the gym at the time. I would have been in 90-odd kilos, and I was, I was fighting monsters. But I just jumped in for the crack. I had nothing to lose. I hadn't got the same intensity I would have had as I was competing as a, as a judo player. But that changed a little bit with the jiu-jitsu then. Um, and the Masters, of, I won the, the Pan Ams and I won the Europeans and I took a bronze at the Worlds and stuff, you know. Um, but but I, I, I had to, I have to learn to have, um, it's hard one, to, to enjoy it more as a, as a master and it's, it's a trip away with the lads instead of that competitive young athlete, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it has to, you have to sort of make a difference in it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy the competing as much as I did as an as a competitor because I, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself I got to win here and I got to do this instead of saying no look come over here you're fucking in your 30s your 40s I'm 48 now in a couple of months you know you're having a bit of crack a bit of that way with the lads you're competing you're testing yourself I think it's about learning testing myself instead of you know doing it for other people you know so yeah, I'm probably rattling. I'm probably waffling on there a little bit. No, no, no. I think it's it's true. Like, just I think there is something freeing sometimes when you just get in and it's just a bit of crack. Yeah, I've always put the pressure on myself that okay, uh, I'm Andy Ryan. You know, it was judo champion for so many years. I'm I'm one of the main guys in the MMA scene, and we said, "Well, John, one of the main, you know, the second guy to get a black belt." And I'm going to put the pressure on myself. And who's watching me? There's nobody playing watching me. I'm watching myself. Do you know what I mean? So instead of enjoying, I enjoyed a couple of competitions. Um, we had a great competition in the Pan Ams in America. I went over there with no thoughts of winning winning a, a championship. You know, never, never thinking it was going to be me. You know, you're going to America, you're going to be fighting Brazilians and stuff. And I remember getting the draw, and I had I was up against one of Lloyd Irvin's guys, and I think I was in me. It was 2011, so it's what's the nine years, ten years ago, was it? Yeah, so I was, I was in my late, I was in my late, late thirties, and um, I remember looking up and down, and most of the masters fellas to say hello to you, and, you know, how's it going, and best of luck, and you know this, and I looked around and fighting this fella, he's about six foot five, you know, shaved hair, tattoos everywhere, and he wouldn't say hello to anybody. He's giving us all the looks. I got fucking drawn against him, but I beat him easy. I, tri- I took him down a beautiful throw, and I wrist locked him, you know. But he, he, he was, he, he was this. He thought he was getting to the UFC cage, you know. We were doing jiu-jitsu, it's grappling. It's not a fight, it's a it's a competition more. You know, you're not punching each other. But I really enjoyed that event because I had nobody there that knew me really. Kept kept two teammates. I wasn't in Norway, I wasn't in Europe. I had no expectations of going to beat the Americans or the Brazilians. You know, I'm the little Irish guy. I end up winning the easy one every fight by submission. So it was really good. I enjoy, you know, I enjoyed that one. I didn't enjoy a lot of other ones where you put pressure on yourself. And I think... I had to learn to be to, to go from the elite athlete I was in the younger days to that sort of coach and you're jumping in here for a bit of crack. You know what I mean? That's the that's the difference. Yeah. I'm saying that now, but I probably don't believe that myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well I think like oftentimes like that though, the expectation into some of those tournaments, like it's it's like you said, it's it's expectation you're putting on yourself. Like more people watching you probably don't give a shit whether you win, whether you lose. Like no, the people, the people no, close to you, no. like your family might care, but usually people yeah. don't give a shit whether you win or you lose. Like it, it means something to you, but like, no, yeah. I always think this other people, I don't think 
anybody has lost sleep over me losing the match. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's the thing. yeah. And the other thing as well, I think when I was in America competing, I only had me and another guy. There was only two of us competing, so we had a bit of crack. If, we, if I go to the European Championships and they're on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then I'm usually on the Sunday. So I'm coaching could be 20 guys all week long. I'm in their venue from nine in the morning till six, seven in the evening. And then I'm competing at the end of that week. And you're drawn, you know, you're, 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 you're half the person you were, you know, because you're, you're so drawn from coaching guys to being up early and, you know, making sure make guys make the weight and being in the venue all week. So I did say if I was to go back to compete in the European Championships, I don't think I'd go as, as a coach would go as one of the players with the guys because yeah. it's very hard to do both, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine for sure. So then, in terms of when you got your black belt, then did you come through like the same route as John Cavanaugh? Like, is a is it uh, Matt Thornton? Is, it, is that his who would have? No, so Rodrigo Madeira. So yeah, no. So uh, this is the thing people don't understand as well. Um, me and John had had two separate gyms when we were started up. So I didn't start under John. We started together. I had a gym. Yeah. I had a Mickey Mouse name. I think mine could have been called Horizon, and his was Full Circle, something like that. And then John had gone away. Then and met Matt Thornton. And he was introducing this. Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was we were doing it ourselves in our own separate groups but John I was introduced and I, I was great and Matt was very good and I got on very well with him and I was very proud to get a blue belt and a purple belt under him and John and you know it was really good but I think at the time um, myself and John were going in two separate directions uh, plus I was very traditional with the with the judo and the traditional martial arts and I'd been training on and off with Rodrigo Madeiras John actually had brought him over and I just got a bit of a bond with him. And um, I just said, you know what? That's 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 the real for me. It was very much, it reminded me of being on the judo mat again, you know, very that sort of traditional way. And at the time of the MMA, we were competing as, you know, I was SVG Northside and John was SVG Ireland. And we would compete against each other. We'd let guys compete against each other. So we've always had, except with John, we'd be very good friends, very close friends, but we'd be good competitive gyms against each other. But we've always had that from day one, you know? So I went Rodrigo Madeira's route. I was training with him anyway, on and off, the few years we were doing jiu-jitsu. And I'd gone over to San Diego then, and I trained there, and I really liked what it was. So I, I got the affiliation for a revolution team in Ireland, you know, and I started, I'm sort of the man in Europe for that now. Um, and at the time, it was like a guy called Fergal Quinlan. Do you know Fergal? Fergal's from Limerick. Fergal's probably one of Ireland's best ever jiu-jitsu players. He never talks about himself or says anything. I remember Fergal in the early 2000s, winning a bronze medal in the Pan Ams. You know, he didn't tell people much. I say it. He'd be, be very good competitive black belt. So he was part of the revolution as well. So I was really happy to be, you know, like-minded people, you know, it was good. Um, but I, I was very honoured and, 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 you know, I do take a lot of respect for me blue and purple belt that I got from John. But I stepped up and matured degree black belt now under Rodrigo. So I've, I'm, I'm there a long, long time now, you know. Yeah, yeah. So then, how did you find transitioning from being a competitor to being a coach? Yeah, um, I found it hard at the start sometimes because sometimes I would be, I, I, I was trying to compete myself and coach. And I remember then someone said to me one day, you got to be one or the other, you know. So even on the mat sometimes, of it, we have a good wrestling coach in the and Bill McCann. Even to this day, I'd be on the mat and, and like I, I have a, I got a bad injury there earlier this year, tore my hamstring and, and badly now. I couldn't walk for a couple of weeks and it's still not 100%. And um, the wrestling class is on and one of the younger guys is nobody to go with. And I went out and wrestled with him and, and he was giving me a hard time. So I went 100% at him, you know, and, and I'm still thinking I'm a competitor. 
instead of being the coach, you know what I mean? And I ended up tearing my hamstring and put myself off the map for a couple of months and stuff, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I understand the coaching game, but sometimes I have to remind myself I'm the coach and not the athlete. Um, that's hard. But the other good part about it is, at least I am a coach that has competed and knows what it takes and, and, and knows and has made the mistakes. I, I, I travelled the, the European circuit as a judo player where you would be in a training camp and you'd compete somewhere and you could be in, in Paris and you compete and then you get to, to train down to Austria and you do the training camp there and you compete. So I've learned and watched the teams where they train. So as an athlete learning that, I've taken all them things on board. And then travelling to the States, seeing how guys are doing stuff. And in the early days, I'd need a series going over the K-Bon in, in England. And I'd, uh, Siri, I'd Reds and Donnelly went to American Top Team and went to TriStar. And guys going to AK8, learning something, bringing stuff back to the gym. So I think as a coach, I've developed well because I've been that elite athlete. I've made the mistakes as an athlete. Um, I sometimes I still think I am the athlete, which is good, I think. But, I, I, but I, I'm, I'm always looking to knowledge and learn. I'm always trying to take stuff from other people and learn. And I'm not one of those guys who say, no, I know it all. No, I don't know it all. You know, I think that's the bad mistake of a coach. Um, and if I can see you can give me something or you can help me out with some something, I'm, I'm going to take it on, you know. So I think at the start, it was it was hard to transfer from an athlete to a coach. Uh, probably probably a 10-year period. But now I'm, I'm a full-on 100% coach. And it's probably take me a long time, but, <laughs> but I am now. Yeah. Uh, do you think that's important, like, like you mentioned, that you, you competed? Do you think that's it? Do you think that's an, an important factor on being a good coach? Do, do you like to see coaches that have competed at I, high I, level? I do, and I don't. I, I think they got to understand about coaching. Like, just because you're a good player doesn't mean you're a good coach. You know, and I found that um, it took me a long time to, to learn. Like, at, 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 when I look at the judo scene and I say, for me, um, I didn't reach the heights of Cutter region. And I think because a lot of that was training on my own. So I end up, I probably was my own coach for a long time, you know, so I had to learn, learn a little things like that. But you might get a guy that could be involved in the gym and it could be a very good natural coach. And once he does his education and understands the sport, you know, because you see with others, you see with guys involved, it's, you know, a high performance coach can involve in any sport, I think. You know what I mean? So if he understands the principles and, and the goals and, and what it takes to be a certain athlete, I think he can transfer that a little bit, you know. Um, especially with the MMA game, like I got my judo background, and you get guys like yourself, taekwondo and boxing, they come in, but they have that professional coach and martial arts mind. I think is very, very important. You know what I mean? And to be open minded and try and learn. For, one of the things I do is um, the best thing that's happened to, to MMA in the world is the IMAS, the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation, because it's like that. It's competitive now. It's a competition now. So it's like when you go to your taekwondo event. You've all the mad areas and they're all warming up together. You're competing as an athlete in a competition. It's not a fight, really. So MMA has gone that way where you're coming up to the hotel and you check in, you weigh in, you go to the venue. You haven't got a separate change room. We're all in the one mat warming up. You know, we're beside each other. You know, and there's no special music. You're coming out, you're going out in the cage, you compete, you win, you're on the next day. So it's competition more than that fight, you know. And when I'm away, I'm always watching what the other coaches are doing, what the athletes are doing, and I'm always asking. So... I talked to the Swedish guys. They were one of the best teams there for a long time in the MMA game. And I say to them, you know, what do you think makes a good MMA fighter? Or what do you, how do you think the game is going? And they'd say, to you, okay, but the amateur game and the professional game are different. The amateur game is three three-minute rounds. For a week-long tournament, you can't afford to have a go out and have a barn bust for a fight because you might pass your medical for the second day. So you've got to be clever. So you've got to be able to box well. You've got to be able to wrestle. And you've got to be able to control your opponents. So you'll see in, in a lot of the, the MMA events, 
the first two or three days, guys are winning on decisions because they're not taking that chance of getting cut or getting something broke and they're out, you know? So it's learning them tactics where as a professional fighter, it's the one fight on the night. So you're putting the work in, you know what I mean? You, you, yeah. you, you can give it all on the night, but as an amateur, you can't, you know? The other thing I think it's good now, it's changing with MMA is that we had this thing in Ireland of records and competing and amateurs doing 12-week camps. Not bloody hair, you know? That's okay as a professional. But as an amateur, you should be competing as much as you can. Like, how many Taekwondo fights have you had? Could you remember? Somebody asked me this, like, uh, back at uh, podcast ages ago, like, back maybe, yeah. like, 30 episodes ago. And uh, honestly, I could not tell you. Like, because, like, I've competed since I started um, yeah. training and competing when I was seven years of age. And I'm 26 like now. Yeah. I'm, I'm 26 yeah. now. And yeah. like that. So, I, thousands, I couldn't tell you. I could, I could tell you maybe how many fights I could probably work out maybe the last 10 years. But, like, I can't remember yeah. every competition so I as a kid. Oh, hundreds, hundreds yeah. Of Okay, yep. so most MMA for you ask an MMA fighter now, many fights have we had five, ten, some of the long experience, 20. You know, some guys are having five amateur fights and gone professional. Crazy. So, you imagine you starting off as some, some guy takes up Taekwondo at 18 years of age. Okay, he's a he's starting at the bottom room and he has his first five fights and then decides to say to you, oh, I'm gonna win the Olympic Games next week. You know, <laughs> you know, it's it, there's no level there. So I think it's the same with the MX. So what 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 IMAF have done, they've given us that chance. So guys are going now and they're going to an event and they might get knocked out in the fourth round. Then they go to the next event and they get a bronze medal. And their records are, are building and their experience are building. So what you're getting out of that now is, is guys who are going pro after 30, 40 fights, you know, which is great instead of guys going pro after five fights. And then what it's going to do is, if there's no need for guys to go pro now. You can't become, you know... A champion at uh, an amateur level, what's the point in going pro? You know, stick at the amateur level and enjoy it and, and get in there and get fights, you know. So I think the IMAF is a great, great, great stepping stone at the moment. And when you go to the event and the, the opening ceremony and the flags and, you know, with your, you know, your team tracksuit on and your fighters there, he's competing in a competition. I, I think it's competition, not a fight. I think that's the big difference. Professionals, it's a fight and it means more. There's money involved and, you know, but as an amateur, you lose three fights as an amateur, it doesn't make a difference. You win the next 10 fights, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a bit like, like you said, I think for a long time, MMA was an adult's sport, you know? Like, and I yeah. think this kind of thing is, yeah. is guys are coming in as adults and they kind of, maybe they're looking at going to pro because maybe they came from other martial arts. They spent maybe their time yeah. as kids in other martial arts and they're coming yeah. and then they only want to have five, five six fights to learn. Yeah. Maybe, maybe to come from striking, yeah. they want to learn the grappling and yeah. vice versa. And it's about getting to pro. So they're only, it's not spending yeah. that much time at amateur. But I think yeah. now it's going to, it's starting to change and, and kids are starting to get into MMA straight, yeah. like MMA straight from the off. And I think yeah. that the IMAF then will start to, can start to develop them. And like you said, get lots of competitions yeah. in, in, in that way. Yeah. And then I think, like you said, they'll transfer then from being juniors yeah. to being seniors, still competing yeah. in IMAF tournaments. And then maybe they'll go to pro or maybe they won't. Maybe they'll be like, yeah. I think, I think it, would, it would be good if the IMAF tournaments went very similar to amateur boxing. You know, guys have amateur boxing careers and they mightn't go pro. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, what, that's, that's what it's like. That's what it's like. That's yeah. what it's like. That's, that's the goal of it. It's very much the guys are all involved are, are from uh, wrestling, judo, uh, boxing backgrounds. You know, the, 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 the guys, are, it's that amateur Olympic type of sports setup. That's what it's very much like. So you would know it from the, from the Taekwondo company. It's very yeah. much like that. Where we did, we never seen that in, in MMA. You know, it was the show on a Saturday night. A guy is trained for six months and he's having a fight, you know, and there's pressure and the family are coming and there's people pissed to the side of the cage. That's all out the window for this. You go in and you compete 
you got beaten today or you won today or whatever, you know. It's great. Yeah. And I think, and I suppose I thought, uh, Ryan Spillane actually, and I said this to him as well. He's I a think, great example of it. Yeah. He's and a I, great example of it. Yeah. And I, I think what's going to happen is it'll be like winning potentially winning an IMAP gold medal can be like winning that Olympic medal that when you go pro you're straight away making yeah. more money you know that means that like you're well, on a better contract that's happening now at the moment yeah, you can see that there at the moment with uh, the likes of the, the, the guys on the Brave shows you know they've all come through as winners and, and champions and, and they're getting signed with good contracts and good money you know because they have that bit of pedigree behind them yeah yeah and that's, that's the thing like you see like, like you see in pro boxing all the time if you have that Olympic gold medal behind you you're straight away yeah. making better money and you're, you're yeah. to, your, your pro career is kind of, you're starting a couple of steps down the road further than you would be yeah. guys who are just, who yeah. didn't have an amateur career or anything like that. Yeah, and, you, and you, you have a high level of training and coaching behind you, you know, so that's the good thing with it as well, you know. Yeah. Like you said, it offers more, more more competition. Like You, the, you can't yeah. beat, you can't beat mat time, essentially, you know, no. a, a, a no. competitive mat time. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. What do you what what do you think what do you think of some of those guys that you know they've maybe had two amateur fights and they've won the two of them and they're thinking they're thinking they're in the that they're they think they're like Conor McGregor you know they think they're the UFC champion and I suppose Billy Big Bollocks to some degree you know it's like sometimes it's like you've had two amateur fights like you know relax like you know yeah it, it depends the, the thing I look at and say as an amateur you should enjoy it more um if you're say an Irish boxing champion and you come in and you win two you know quick amateur MMA events and you know you're probably a high level athlete you want to go pro to give it a chance that's different but someone that comes into the gym and trains and has two fights and you know the only thing something very similar to that is that you would never see it in taekwondo right and you never see it in judo and boxing so a guy has two fights in taekwondo he does not have his own gym does he his own club takes years of practice and stuff so that's a big thing in MMA and a big thing in jiu-jitsu guys get their fourth belt in the open gym and they're offering international war level training. Now, hang on, you're learning. You're still a student. You know, you never see... Like, you think of every black belt that becomes a black belt in your gym, leaves and opens a gym. You're fucking crazy, you know? So it's a bit similar with the lads' fight. Um, they've won or two fights, and then, you know, they think it's the fucking, you know, the world championship's the next fight. Well, hang on a minute, you know? Relax a little bit. Yeah. Enjoy it more. Enjoy it. Yeah. Do you have a preference on coaching amateur versus pro? Uh, I like both. Um, I get very. I actually, when someone told me I get too emotionally attached to my fighters, um, you know, that's because I care about them, you know. But I think, I think the elite level MMA and the elite level amateurs at the IMAS is the same as the pros because they train full time, they train at a very high level. You know, it's like, you know, Taekwondo guy going to Olympic Games. He's not really an amateur. He's a professional athlete. You know what I mean? That's that's what he is. He trains full time. So it's the same with us. I can understand guys. Um, that I wouldn't have as much pressure on guys that are just jumping in. Oh, this is what I try and say to the guys in the gym. Okay, you come and tell me if you just want to come and train the odd night here a week and you want to try an MMA fight, jump into a local show and have a go. Win or lose, not the end of the game, no problem. But if you if you if you want to make that pro game or you want to become an amateur world champion or you want to make the USC, okay, I'm going to treat you different and we're going to look at how things are. And you got to you got to be here six days a week and you got to do A, B, C, and D. And we'll see how we go. And I will be harder on you, coaching you. And if I'm coaching you in the corner, I will be harder on you. But the guy that's working five days a week and has kids at home or just wants to jump in for the crack and give it a go, no problem. We'll support you. We'll help you. We won't make. We won't get you injured or, or hurt. But I'm not going to put the same pressure on you. You know. So you have to learn to coach different levels. I think. Yeah. 
yeah i suppose i suppose like it's, it's good that you have people at a gym like that because you know some gyms can be very much like it maybe go the other way we only can't we only we only coach pro fighters or you know maybe, yeah well maybe we, we had that um we had that that people wouldn't come to us everyone was saying too aggressive down that team right now they knocked the bollocks out of you they're all scumbags the this or that i wouldn't go there actually we actually caught a coach saying this to guys who were asking about coming to our club on a show one time and we pulled them up on it and, and would you ever spar down there no how do you know they're this I was, I was told no we do a hard training session that's yeah our pro and competitive team we do train hard maybe we train too hard sometimes you know but the novice and the amateurs and the beginners don't train like that you know um, and the same with the jiu-jitsu class like, we, we, have a, we, have a lot of, we have an older jiu-jitsu team in their place we do train hard but we don't train as hard as anyone else. We're not as tough as anyone else. You want to get tough jujitsu classes at the highest level, you go to Darrow O'Connell's. You know, they're the number one gym in Ireland. You know, and you have to expect say that as a coach. We offer something different, you know. And we're sort of a coach. We're a team where we compete wrestling, judo, jujitsu, you know. So we're doing the, tr- uh, sorry, wrestling, MMA and jujitsu. So we're doing th- the three different sports there. We're not just on the one sport. So it's hard to... Uh, you know, to, to give 100% to the one spot we do with the training. But we have a big kids, massive kids jiu-jitsu team. And we're probably one of the best in the country for that. You know, we have a big team there. We have a great crowd up the north. Um, the guy, Robert, so, uh, Robert, he looks after uh, the kids' team up there with Peter Larry and, and lads. And then my own lads in my gym, we, we, we think we could have 150 kids, 200 kids sometimes in a competition. So it's great, you know. So on that end, we're tough, you know, yeah. but enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> And then do you, do you take many of the kids' classes and that's yourself then? No, I bleed and hate doing the kids' classes. Yeah. Well, I'll do some of the older teenagers, the seniors. Yeah, I have a great guy. I'm actually very lucky. I have a great junior coaching team in my place. I have a fellow called Jason O'Connor. He's a black belt under me. His two kids train. Um, Stevie Carr, Paddy Roach, and Paul McIntyre. They look after the kids in my gym in, in Finglas. And they're all parents of kids that train, which is great. And they're really, really good at teaching and, and very, very friendly with the kids and they make it fun and friendly, you know, and then I have a great gym in Donamid where, where there's two gyms are the same and I have a great couple of guys there, Mikey and Stewie and uh, Keith McCabe, they run the kids there and they have the same thing. It's very family orientated, they're all, they're all friends, they're all pals, you know, but all the kids train, the families train together. So we have a, our, our kids are due to and our adults are due to is two different things. You know, the kids are, we're building an army for the future with them, I think, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is two different... You need to, as a coach, wear two different hats even you're jumping between the kids and the and the adults. Like, don't yeah, you? even with my gym, my MMA is young and my jiu-jitsu is older. So my, my, most of my jiu-jitsu guys are over 40. And most of my MMA guys are at sort of 17 to 28. You know, that's the sort of... We've allowed them, you know? So it's, it's trying to manage both. Yeah. And then, like, with the pros... What's the buzz like been then when you're standing, sitting cage side for a UFC show? Yeah, it's great. I think the first one, when, when, uh, the very first one with Neil Siri and in the three arena on the main card, that was a little bit of a, not like a blur, but we, it wasn't until we, the second time experience, we enjoyed it more. That we were brought over there. We were, you know, of course, two weeks notice, the underdog going in there in London. But I have to say, you got a great reception and the buzz and the feeling of it was... That was against unbelievable. Brad Pickett, the, I think, was it? Brad Pickett, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe one of the best strikers of flyweight and wouldn't stand with Neil, you know. That was a good um, fight, yeah. I think if we had, fight. It was a great fight. Yeah, I think if we had to have the camp for that fight, I think we would have we, we could have won that fight. We, you know, we, we had a quick turnaround. I think it was 15 days. 
and the Irish people got behind him. His opponent pulled out. We jumped in, you know. But the best feeling ever was the first big UFC in Dublin. In I don't mean the first in 2007 or 8, but the one where yeah. we had the big Irish crowd on it. And I have to say, I, my, I was nearly crying coming out of that. When we walked out with Neil, the flag, and his song come on, and the, the vibrations of the crowd, it was unbelievable. It was the, unbelievable, the best thing I've ever felt or seen in my life, you know. Now, I think all the ones after that were as good, but that force was was well, crazy, crazy. And it was such a night, you know. We had a great, I think every Irish guy won that night. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Was it kind of like a, I suppose, like seeing from where you, you came from, I suppose, like, like you said, you were kind of training and fooling about in the hall and trying to figure things out on your own to... You're walking out with a with with a fighter in the, in the UFC, yeah, and, and the crowd. Yeah, like it's, it was. It's, it's it some was that, journey, it, it, I suppose. It was, start, it, was, it was that thing I say about, um, you know, we're as good as anybody in this world, and that proved it. You know, I remember as a judo player as a as a kid, and, and you get drawn against someone from England. Oh, you're in trouble. They're English. They have they have great shit in gyms and facilities, and then you get a bit older. You know, oh, that French fellow, that Russian guy, they're the best in the world. They'll kill you. Or if someone walked into the room with from Japan, he might be a white belt or he's Japanese. They're great in judo. You know, so we had that misconception in our brain about everyone is better than us. No, well, hang on a minute. Here we are in the biggest show in the world and there's all the Irish guys kicking these people's asses and winning well, you know. There's the main event, Conor McGregor, you know, winning. So so we went out and won that well, you know. So we showed that, hang on, fuck me. These Irish guys are, are, are the business here, you know. There's something that they're the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, there was. What I think the Welsh them? guys are doing that now, you know. Yeah. Jack Shaw and the guys there they're having a great time there now. it's great great results coming out of the Welsh team, team at the moment yeah it's a small, it seems like a small little hotspot there isn't it just the guys coming yeah. over there yeah yeah. some great fighters yeah, yeah. Mason Jones yeah. another one Mason Shaw. Jones unbelievable yeah, yeah Jack yeah. Shaw was unbelievable for me one of the best fighters in the USA at the moment well the last few years and he goes under the radar is Ireland Allen you know I've yeah. seen Ireland competing you know in cage where he's a young guy he's 8 he's 8 and 0 in the UFC you know that's unbelievable, and he's far good, good guys. He's really, really good, really, yeah. really good. And I think he's doing it right. He's keeping his head down. He's getting the wins. He's building himself up. You know, he he's some he's some guy. He's a success story. That that guy. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him now pushing closer to the title because, like you said, yeah, has had some big wins. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. he can start to step up. But he's doing it properly. I think. I think he's doing it properly. He's building all the time. He's getting better all the time. You know, he's doing really well. Yeah. Am I right in saying you're 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 not kind of into the I suppose the the, the shit talking side of of MMA or that goes with pro MMA? You're much more like about the the sport and uh, and seeing guys yeah, build. I, I, don't get to mind, I don't mind that people want to do it. Do it. I just never been that type. Um, I'm very much um, if I have a problem, I'll say it to you. Um, I respect for all coaches and athletes getting in there, but if you have a problem with me, I'll, I'll, I'll no problem have a problem with you. You know, but usually I go to the show. I try and be nice to everybody. I respect or I always respect you in the corner. I might get a bit emotional and, and I might get a bit like you know we're in a fight here before we go out but I go and shake your hand win or lose you know and um, I think you have to have that respect because we're all in the one boat you know and you you, you, you climb to the top you got to climb back down again and your fighters coming in and out all the time you have to respect for people it's a lot of work to get there and, and to do what we do so of course I'll, I'll have a competitive you know vibe against you but I've no problem with you you know and, and, and I think some guys do do talk to bullshit. That's great. That's the pro game. I hate it in the amateur game. I don't think there's no need for it in the amateur game because you should be. You shouldn't even be in a separate change. You should be warming up to get to get getting them because it's competition. But it's a professional game. No, and if you want to talk shit and someone, no problem. I don't. I don't get involved in it. Um, 
I know we had it with Miles and Peter uh, Queasy. There was a bit of a shy talk between them. But I still have great respect for Peter. And I talked to Peter before the fight. How are you, Peter? How are you, Andy? How's things? All their team, no problem. Um, I don't get involved in that. When we go to them, to that three arena, that change room, and, you know, we're not, like, SPG be the biggest team there, and they'll have half the change rooms, but nobody um, intimidates me, or nobody gives me shit, and I say hello to everybody and give them all the respect they deserve, you know? And I think that's, I think that's the way to do it. It's a very, very small world, the MMA world. You yeah. know, a very small world. And you're mixing that shows and seeing that shows. We had a great one years ago. Um, we were at a show in Sunderland, and Rodney Moore, one of the great MMA coaches in Ireland, a great MMA competitor himself, and some great fighters from Emily's gym. He he grabbed the room and, and, you know, put up, there was us, there was him, and there was another gym from Ireland. Got us all into one change room, you know. We're all together, working, bouncing off each other. Because, say, instead of you being on your own, you know, they had two, one fighter, we had a fighter. Now, hang on a minute, there's a little crowd that's here from, from Ireland. We're in England. I don't give a shit about all that. Catholic Protestant North South bullshit. I have no time for any of that. Uh, our team is across the communities, none of that bullshit. So it was great. Rodney get the change room. We're all up there. We're all here. Irish boys here. We all know each other from the scene or let's support each other. Anyone want the hand warming up, anyone everything all right, best of luck going now. You know, that's great. I think that's great in MMA. So it doesn't matter where you're in the world, you could be on your own and if you're a dickhead, you're not going to get support or help from people. But if you're all right now, at the same time, we still don't let people walk on you. You know what I mean? We put the we put the chest out there, but we will also put the hand out there. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's 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 a different vibe. Like you said, like it definitely in taekwondo and like that. Like we've been at European and World Championships, and uh, like actually, like this one stood out to me. I even thought it at the time at the European Championships. It was 2019, now because we didn't get out last year uh, in Bosnia, and like you had. Three guys were on the podium. We're all warming up in about six mats across, uh, about six mats wide. We're all warming up in the same little area, like yeah. And, you see uh, that the judo it, and everything. That's why it is. It's mad, like, because you know. it's comp. It's competition. It's you know, you're like you're on, expect, say to take on. You're probably on a circuit that year. So many competitions. You know the judo and stuff. You know you could be in Paris, Austria. We have different grand prix, different qualifying events are on. So you can't have fucking single change rooms and, and you know divide it up. It's a, it's a competitive There's a warm-up area you know I mean? and you can use it or yeah, not. you warm up there. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it because because it's it's a it's a competition. But then when you step to that pro level, it's different. Now it's a show and now there's big money involved and now it's, you know, there's only 10 guys or 20 guys on, on a card and we can do all that. You know, but as a competition where you have every weight class and you have 20 or 20 people in each weight class, you got to all warm up together, you know. Yeah. Plus you're going to have to fight someone. We shouldn't be a fucking afraid to warm up beside them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and that's I, where the mind games was well play as well in that area. You know, you know that's where you, you, you know you'd be warm and looking good there, and you'd be scoping out who you're competing against and stuff. You know, or the opposite way with some people. Some people's nerves go. You know what I mean? I, 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 I like I said, I, I kind of know that I kind of pegged it there the last time, and it, it was a. Uh, it was great. There was a bit of tension, and you're like you said, you're always seeing yeah. the guys then, or who are sitting down yeah. and they're watching you warming up, and they're kind of see what's he yeah. doing, and then and then you see sometimes I, I you're watching like guys from other divisions, and they're kind of seeing well they're sitting down, and then the guy they're going against gets up and starts hitting the pads and is warming up, and they kind of oh geez, I better get up now and start hitting the pads, and you know it's it, yeah, there's a mad yeah. it's a it's a plus, mad plus you're making friends as well, plus you're making friends, and you're saying hello to guys, and you finish your fight, and you're back on the mat, where sometimes in the pro game you don't see the other people after the fight you're in a separate change room and you're gone on the bus you're gone you know or you yeah. don't see the second half of the card or the first half of the card if you're on the first half of the card you're brought in a separate bus 
them guys are coming, you're finishing, you're gone out there, you know. So I think that's that man area thing is, is a very very friendly thing. That's why I think as well, I really enjoyed the Cage Warrior years where Cage Warriors was the main show and we would travel on the circuit. So you were becoming friends with all the different teams because we're on the plane going to Jordan or going to Lebanon or going to Ukraine with them and we're all competing and then after the, the competition we're having a beer, the coaches together and the fighters are chatting. So it was great. That was a great atmosphere and a great vibe, you know. It was like a like a, like a travelling show nearly, you know, around Europe and Ireland. It was brilliant. Yeah. It was brilliant. It makes some great friends for me, you know. Yeah, that would have been a great buzz, I would imagine, yeah. yeah like even like I said, even the fighters competing against each other, they were like, you know, it's it's more competition then I suppose than 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 yeah. business or something like that, you know. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and look at look at there's no harm in the fellas want to do the show you talk and let them do it. That's no problem. It's just not something I do, you know. Yeah. And you kinda of mentioned um that you see guys in kind of in jiu-jitsu and they're training, maybe they get the blue belt and they start opening clubs. Is that kind of why you're kind yeah. of running? Because you kind of run, a, am I right in saying, like a Team Rhino affiliation where there's gyms throughout the country that are kind of affiliated to you? Is yeah. That, is so, that kind of yeah, the idea? Where, yeah, so what we'll like do you're is... Like a base we, kind of for them. Yeah, a base. So we'll have affiliated training group. So we might get someone that has come to us and they want to be part of the team. And, and I'd start to look and say, okay, let me see. Okay, well, what, you know, start to say, we're not just a jiu-jitsu, we're jiu-jitsu MMA wrestling. So we might have someone come. We've had, we, we had a new team join us there recently. They're experienced MMA, but they're not experienced in jiu-jitsu. So we'll help them out on that end of it as well, you know. So we've no problem coming on board as a team, as an affiliate training group. Um, or you might see guys that, you know, they've been a black belt like a taekwondo and they open a gym. Like they're not novices, you know. They're not someone that hasn't done anything, you know. So, um, yeah, we've, we, we've, a big, we've a big network. We have, at the moment, we just have a gym in Alma um, have just come on board to join the, the team. They're on the, the they're on the starting steps of it. Like there's a lot we do with them. We'll they'll have to do. We'll do like in-house coaching course. We'll do in-house training, all stuff like that. And then we'll do they'll come down for sparring, and we'll go up to them for training and stuff. And then we have other affiliates around there. We'll sort of help them out as we're going by, you know. So we have Oma, we've another place Causeway, uh, in Colrain. We've Derry. We've another place Limavady, um, and then we've Peter Levy in Belfast. Then down here we have me here, Keith McCabe is me Donna May Jim, Ushi McCabe is an Artean, and then we have Bobby Mead in Waterford, we have Kenny Higgins in Port Leash, Mods Price in Killarney, uh, Kilkenny. I'm missing, missing out someone. I'm probably missing out someone, but oh, Cork, Kieran Brown in Cork. Oh yeah. So we have yeah, a big, yeah. we have a big network here. We have a big network, and some of them are more jujitsu, some are more MMA, and the the MMA lads link more with the MMA guys, like the, the lads in Waterford um, are MMA and, uh, oh, sorry, Wexford are MMA and the lads in uh, Cork are Jiu-Jitsu, you know, so we did mix about a little bit. Yeah. I imagine, like you said, I would imagine that there was probably, at, there will be at some point going for a competition between those gyms, but it's good to maybe keep everything that still together that you can train together and cross over yeah well, what gyms. we do is we also we, we also do our in-house competition where we, we haven't done it this year because of COVID where we'll have a jiu-jitsu competition we'll have a kids competition where they'll all compete against each other you know and then when we go away then you know to compete together against other people so we do we do keep competition there yeah yeah what I try to do with, with the MMA I try not let the the guys when they get a bit serious compete against each other because sometimes it can put a bit of a, a bad void between affiliates you know there's plenty of other, other teams in the country to compete against, you know, we want to be able to train together and, and help each other out. You know what I mean? That's the thing there. Yeah, you just can't escape the the politics of it. It's some in some no. shape or form, can you? Yeah. No, no. Yeah, 
I suppose, look, maybe before we um, before we finish up, I tend to I, I ask everybody if you had to pick a favorite fighter that you like watching, who would it be? Maybe not. I, I tend to ask for one, but I always tend to let them, people have two or three. So if they pick maybe a couple of favorite fighters that you a like favorite to watch. Favorite fighter. See, MMA, Jiu Jitsu, or Judo, which. which... So for me, the Judo was always uh, uh, Koga. He passed away there a couple of weeks ago. An unbelievable Judo player, died of cancer in his, in his 50s. He, um, he, for me, was was the boy to watch. Uh, Jiu Jitsu, I always liked. Shed at me, I always liked Almeida, and he always liked Hunter Gracie. I liked the bigger guys that could do a little bit of throwing and do all the, the basics really good. And um, MMA, I was a, I'm a big, big fan of GSP. Um, I was a big fan of Matt Hughes, you know, Randy Couture, sort of the older guys that have that good base, you know. A big, big, I think GSP was a big fan of, yeah, really, I suppose, of the MMA, you know. Yeah, GSP is one that comes up time and time again. He's probably, yeah, I think because he, cause he, does, he does everything. Yeah, he was yeah. a true mixed martial artist, and he's good at everything, you know. Yeah, and that's it. Like, um, yeah, good base across everything, and like it, like like you kind of said, not, not much shit talk then to go with it. Like, you know, it was a just no, like he, a martial he, he, artist. He, well, he shows it on the cage, isn't he, on the mat, you know, and, and you know, yeah, he, yeah I, think, I think that's what I liked him, you know. Um, I liked Matt Hughes as an athlete. I didn't like him in the Ultimate Fighter sometimes throwing boils in front of fellas, making them read it. But I thought as an athlete. And his and his work ethic was unbelievable. I think I like anyone that works really hard and trains really hard. You know, um, I'm not too caught up on un, un, unbeaten records. Um, I think, you know, uh, you, you would never see. I don't think you see it in judo or other traditional martial arts. Take one of somebody has never lost a competitive match. You know, um, so I think sometimes people can get caught up now. He's ten an hour. He's twerking you now. Now there's plenty of other guys that fight different weight classes and different levels, and you know, are great. But uh, I think GSP for me, yeah. GSP yeah. and Matt Hughes are like a Matt Hughes. Yeah. Yeah, two great picks there. Two yeah. great picks. Yeah. So like I said, yeah. I think we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks for coming Lovely. on. Lovely. Thanks for having me on. Any time at all, yeah. Yeah, really Pleasure. appreciate it. Really appreciate it. No Enjoyed problem. the chat, hearing your story, hearing your take on, uh, I suppose, a, a couple of yeah. different sports, jiu-jitsu, MMA. Um, yeah. And, uh, like I said, you, you're in, you were in a ground zero when it comes to MMA. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the late, the late 90s, we sort of was the start of it really you know and then yeah. we got serious then that's oh, it so, so all right. Right. thanks very much take care all the best thanks a lot thank you bye bye